That Chinese dude's gonna get pretty crispy out here. How are they gonna keep him tied down like that? He tried to kill Michael. We all saw it. The cuffs stay on until we know why. Hello everyone, Matt here and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 106 entitled House of the Rising Sun. Before I start, I just wanted to give a big thanks to Bonnie who sent me a very nice email. She said that she's really been enjoying my thoughts as we, the Lost community that can't let go, revisit the series. She complimented my voice and said that she appreciates take, uh, that I ta I'm taking the time to continue the journey. Bonnie, thank you very, very much for your very kind email. Uh, I have a huge blast doing the podcast, and it was uh, a real thrill to receive a little bit of fan mail. Um, and I certainly would encourage anybody else who's listening to uh, check out at the end of the podcast uh, how to get in touch, say hello, offer suggestions, send in an audio comment that could be played on the show, etc. But anyhow, with that, let's get into House of the Rising Sun and start with the Wikipedia summary of the episode. In the flashbacks, Sun wants to run away with Jin to America, but he insists that they honorably tell her father that they are seeing each other. Jin returns from talking to Sun's father, who approves of their relationship as long as Jin takes a job working for him. One night after they're married, Jin returns home covered in someone else's blood. He tells Sun that he does whatever her father tells him to do. A few years later, Sun secretly plots to leave Jin and her father, so she will be free to go wherever she wants. However, she does not go through with her plans as he expresses a loving gesture to her and boards Flight 815 with her husband. On the island, Jack, Kate, Charlie, and Locke go to the caves to gather water and investigate. At the caves, the away team discovers two bodies, whom Locke dubs Adam and Eve. From the, from the deterioration of their clothes, Jack estimates that they have been dead for at least 40 to 50 years and finds a pouch on them containing two stones, one black and the other white. Sun is shocked to see Jin attack Michael on the beach for no apparent reason. Sawyer and Saeed manage to subdue and handcuff Jin to the wreckage, and Michael says that the attack was racially motivated, which he later tells Walt is not true. At the beach... Jin tells Sun that Michael has her father's watch. Jack and Kate return to the beach, and Jack starts talking to people about moving to the caves. The castaways argue whether to stay on the beach, where a rescue party could see them and keep a signal fire burning, or move to the caves, where there is more shelter and fresh water. The group splits into two camps. Jack, Locke, Charlie, Hurley, Sun, and Jin move to the caves, while Kate, Sawyer, Saeed, Michael, Walt, Shannon, and Boone remain on the beach. Sun finds Michael alone, and in perfect, unbroken English says, I need to talk to you. Michael is shocked that she speaks English. Sun tells him that Jin is unaware of this, and she explains about the watch. At the caves, Locke tells Charlie he knows Charlie is addicted to heroin. Locke says if Charlie gives up his drugs, the island will give him his guitar, which Charlie misses deeply. Charlie hands over the heroin, and Locke shows him where his guitar is, and Charlie is ecstatic. On the beach, Kate refuses to go with Jack to the caves. As Michael cuts Jin free of his handcuffs, one of the cuffs remains on his wrist. 
and Michael tells Jin to stay away from him and Walt. That night at the caves, Charlie plays his guitar as Jack returns with people from the beach. And with the summary now over, let's get into uh, my thoughts on the episode as a whole. It um, it was an interesting episode to rewatch, in part because I was very, very excited to see this episode on account of Adam and Eve being in it, and uh, certainly, you know, all the memories that it then uh, uh, had me thinking about uh, the episode uh, Across the Sea. Um, and we'll talk about the Adam and Eve bit uh, in due course, but um, it's an episode that didn't age in its normal way, in part because the Adam and Eve thing is just another mystery when you watch things in normal chronological order. But to do what I do here on the podcast, to be looking back, it that's the big headline of the episode and some of the other things that are meant to be the actual uh, guts of the episode uh, just seem secondary. But at any rate, let's let's get into the episode here. Um, it opens with the eye shot again. Um, looking back, it feels a little overplayed. But of course, to be fair, in the series so far, this being the sixth episode, it's still a perfectly unique trope still. So to be fair, it's not that huge a deal. Um, interesting to see that Kate and Jack's flirting is over Jack's tattoos. It's this mystery so great, so amazing, that it, of course, comes with perhaps the single worst episode of the series, the season three episode of Bai Ling, which, when I had watched it, had made me wonder if the show had gone off course. Uh, just a very, very, very disappointing episode in season three, the big reveal of his tattoos. Um, again, it's just funny that uh, here they're making a little bit of a big deal about it, and it ends up being just, uh, I don't know, I'm not looking forward to watching that episode in season three, I'll tell you that. Um, anything, another fun fact about this episode, uh, and I suppose any of these Sun and Jin episodes, is that one must watch the flashbacks completely, unless you can speak Korean, of course. I, you know, every now and then, I'm sure like many people out there, I'm known to have dinner with TV, but you simply can't do that with this episode. I mean, you know, you just, you can't do it by ear. You can't look away for a single moment because you're you're reading all their dialogue. Interestingly enough, I mean, it even was difficult enough to type notes for this episode while still reading the subtitles. But uh, I suppose that's just part of what makes the show interesting. Um, aside fun fact, apparently diamond in Korean is diamond. I didn't record that as a clip, but sure enough, Jin called a diamond a diamond. So there you go. Um, this episode also has what I assume is stuntmen, but at any rate, there's this dual tackling that goes on, which is quite good. Jin tackling Michael is a rough hit, to be sure. But when Saeed tackles Jin, it just left me feeling like I needed some dental work. It was just this massively hard hit. Um, an impressive, impressive uh, bit of uh, oh, stunt work, I suppose it is. Um, it also was fun to see Saeed and Sawyer work together to stop the fight. I mean, sure, they've had a number of differences, heck, since the plane crash, but despite being on opposite sides in a lot of ways, they do share, I think, the same sense of order, the sense of you're kind of, you know, working together somewhat, but you're still on your own. You're in the wild, but there's still a community. They're kind of on that same wavelength of, you know, let's all kind of stay together, stick together, and the minute that there's somebody outside that, this Jin and Michael fight, um, they both kind of jump in as the guys to, to do something about it. 
Um, also, as a huge Charlie fan, I've uh, mentioned before on the podcast how the reason I started watching Lost was because of the the fun that I had uh, watching Dominic, Dominic Monaghan in the Lord of the Rings stuff, the behind the scenes for that those movies, uh, etc. He was the tipping point that made me check out this plane crash show. And um, I certainly liked that uh, a large part of the on-island story in this episode was about Charlie, despite the fact that it's technically this Jin Sun flashback episode. So big thum- thumbs up to that. And uh, anyhow, with all this talk about the Michael and uh, Jin fight, let's listen to, to a clip. And it's actually two clips that I've, uh, I've put together. And... Um, it's a strange place for the show to go. But uh, with that, let's listen to the clip and then uh, I shall discuss afterwards. Okay. I don't know how it is in Iraq. But in the United States of America, where I'm from, Korean people don't like black people. Do you know that? Kojima, Kojima! So maybe you ought to talk to him! The cuffs stay on. The louder, Omar, maybe then she'll understand you. You said... People like him don't like people like us. Oh, man. No. Uh, look, that's that's not true. And you know what? I, I don't think like that anyway. I was... I was angry. It's a bit of a strange journey that Michael takes in this episode, particularly playing the race card. It's something that I feel like the show never particularly did before. Uh, certainly not before, and I don't think that it did since this episode um to me it just it's it's a bit strange it feels a little out of place it felt a little out of place the first time i saw the episode it felt out of place rewatching this episode for you know beyond the second time third fourth fifth time whatever this has been now um i don't understand the story purpose of the racial discussion in it uh maybe it's just meant to be kind of organic of the character uh and and perhaps it's a a logical conclusion from his point of view but i I don't know it's just kind of a strange you know if it was setting up uh this later discussion the second part of the clip this if it was setting up this later discussion about um about uh, you know, race involved, and then the discussion between Michael and and Walt. Then okay, fine. Then that, that might have been the story purpose, but you know, Walt kind of has this question, and yes, granted, it springs into this discussion about uh, a bit beyond the clip. You know, how well does Walt know Michael, and that's that sort of thing. But I don't know. To me, it was just a weird route for the show to take and i feel like it was a little cringeworthy and i don't quite know why but that certainly is i don't know was the the feeling that i got um anyhow to just kind of finish up this uh discussion about that particular scene there was a really nice um transition to one of the flashbacks we don't know yet as we're watching this episode we don't know why Jin has attacked michael Later, we'll know it's over the watch. But there's this question, why has why has uh, Jane attacked Michael? The next flashback then starts with a shot of Sun's watch in the in the flashback in Korea. Obviously not the same watch, but just this kind of, what's why is this happening? 
cut to a watch and then you continue with the flashback really nice touch again not meant to kind of be uh overly artsy or overly suggestive to the audience that you know it is her watch because it's it's not but just a nice little bit of editorial uh editorial style i suppose would be the best way to put it um we have also in this episode another example of um nudity that didn't necessarily need to be there for the say uh, any other sake than to have people get their shirts off happened with kate washing herself i believe i want to say in pilot part two um and then it happened to son in the past episode and in this one all i can uh imagine the only story reason that i can imagine that uh charlie steps in the beehive it just seems like an excuse to for everybody to run off to separate the four people at the caves, uh, Locke with Charlie, away from the caves for a bit, and then to have Jack and Kate return to the caves, and then for Jack to get shirtless and Kate to get down to her bra and have this little, you know, kind of wink-wink moment, and then Charlie comes in and, you know, he says, oh, you dropped your shirt, and she says, "Uh, yeah, it was full of bees, and he looks at her uh, chest and says, "Uh, I would think it was C's. So it was just kind of this little, you know, flirty ha-ha moment but does it advance the story? Again, as I've said before, the notion of this podcast mostly is to be looking at the, the, the story elements and see how they work both within an episode and now that we know everything and there aren't particularly huge mysteries anymore to see how do these episodes all fit together. What purpose does this uh, scene serve beyond having you know your two most prominent leads or your two uh youngest or you know youngest not counting walt but your two most attractive leads getting them you know stripped down a little bit i'm not quite sure what the story purpose is maybe it's just again pay the bills have a slightly salacious scene where you can say well it's no different than uh than uh you know a beach scene guy shirtless woman in something uh, equivalent to a uh, to a swim top um anyhow this scene where the, where where they come in shirtless. That's not the headline, of course. This episode is obviously so critical to the mythology of the series as a whole and such a special episode because of the introduction of Adam and Eve. This is the first great mystery placed in the show in order to attempt to have a plan. Sure, there's the monster, but the monster really could have been anything. I mean, if they wanted to turn it into their, this is Dinosaur Island, if they want to turn it into this is Ghost Island or you know whatever, the monster was ambiguous enough to be whatever. But Adam and Eve, the mystery of Adam and Eve, is the first hint that maybe the people behind the show knew what was going on. And I've read somewhere, and I read it a while ago, ages ago, that indeed, they, once they realized that they were going to have a run to the show, that it seemed like the numbers were there to do more than just a little bit, they said, we want, hey, if people seem to like this. We want to have proof that we knew what we were doing, and this is the first insertion of that. Um, obviously, to to be resolved, uh, I believe the number is 111 episodes uh, later. But anyhow, uh, I have a clip about Adam and Eve, and then it being this key thing, we shall discuss more. These caves make too good a shelter just to be used for burial. Adam and Eve, they must have lived here. A plane crashed, or maybe they were shipwrecked. They probably found this place and knew they could survive here. 
what a great uh, thing to have inserted so early on in the show. I mean, and you can almost see the, the, the machinations there where they don't want to tip their hand. I mean, if indeed they were committed to this notion that Adam and Eve, or, or rather the bodies of the man in black and, and his adoptive mother, the character that we know, of course, as mother, um, if that was what they were stuck on, that it was a, 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 a shipwreck that got, that got uh, them there, or at least uh, got the, the mother of the man in black and Jacob there, if they, were, if they meant shipwreck, of course they're going to start out and say, maybe it was a plane crash or gee whiz, maybe it was a shipwreck. You know, it was a bit of sleight of hand. Um, and kind of how prophetic of Jack that here we are um, saying, uh, y- you know, that they're, they're using this as shelter. This is a place that they could live. And you think back to, you know, that wonderful episode where you see them, you know, they're, they're, they're born there, the, 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 the factors that, unbeknownst to us in this episode, unbeknownst to us in the season, the factors that have brought everyone to the island and kept some alive and whatnot, Jacob and the man in black, this is their birthplace. This is where they grew up as as uh, brothers. This is where their birth mother died. This is where their adoptive mother raised them. This was home. This was you know, the kitchen and the, the bedroom, and this was their entire world. And... Um, it's everything that Jack says, but with none of the with his optimism and with none of the uh, with none of the notion that this is actually also the scene of uh, of a murder. This is the scene, This is a, a burial chamber in addition to having been a happy home. Just, I mean, it's a it's a wonderful little uh, mystery to have inserted, and so fittingly, given that it's the second. Uh, the second big mystery introduced, the first being Smoke Monster and the monster and whatnot. Um, so fitting that it's these, essentially the second to last mystery to be solved. Uh, maybe with the last mystery being how does it all end? I mean, because certainly by the last three, four, five episodes of the series, we know basically all we need to know. Uh, yeah, by the end of that, that episode, we know all we need to know about, um, about the monster. You know, he uh, had gone down to the source, turned into the monster, etc. So it's it's such an amazing uh, aspect that the show put in this early on to have such kind of a creative editorial story confidence to say, we're going to dream really big and we're going to hold off on answering this one, not a couple of episodes, not a season, not for a season finale. We're going to do this in the the home stretch of the show, the last four or five hours of the show, the last three episodes of the show is when this is going to be taken care of. It's just, you know, as I said, it's you wait 111 episodes after this until the episode across the sea to have this solved, this mystery solved. Um, on the flip side, as I alluded to before, the quality of that episode across the sea almost makes the quality of this episode decrease because of the whole time I'm thinking about this, you know, tender and wonderful across the sea episode, and I'm kind of stuck in this rather pedantic, you know, why are Jin and Michael fighting kind of episode, which fair is fair. That was the bread and butter of the show, certainly for the first half of the first season. Um, it's, you know, the hatch is introduced. I want to say off the top of my head, maybe somewhere around episode. 12 uh then boone dies somewhere in the episode somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe 116 and then uh you know finally the hatch is blown open 
uh, maybe episode 122. I'm not quite sure how many episodes are in the first season off the top of my head. But um, this sort of episode, the get to know you episode, fine. This is the this is what had people tuning in week after week. And there's this gem sitting in there of Adam and Eve that they don't touch for 111 episodes. So anyhow, moving on. Um, there's an... Uh, as I mentioned before in previous episodes, the show does a really nice job, obviously, of seeding for future episodes. Now, we kind of got used to that. We'd say, oh, you know, they didn't touch touch on this. And, oh, hey, uh, remember how Sawyer looked at that paper and he was so sad? Well, here we are, you know, X number of episodes later. Now we're going to find out what's on the paper. Um, it was still new when they were doing episode 106 here. But they're doing it. There's a seeding for future episodes. Walt says he knows nothing about Michael. And wonders if Michael even knows his birthday. Michael comes back and says yes, uh, mentions the date, and it's this hint about when Michael left Walt's life. Boom, he was there for the birth, or knows of the birth, or cares to know, you know, was has, has a certain image of his son, even though his son does not know him. And, uh, you know, a little seed that comes to fruition in the upcoming Walt and Michael episode. So anyhow, we've talked a bit now about the, the the highest of highs, these great mysteries and character development and whatnot, and now from this highest high, we can go to Smooth Talking Jack. You checking me out? What? It's no harm in it. Trust me. If I was checking you out, you'd know it. Yeah? So then what were you thinking? Right now. Well, I sure as hell wasn't thinking that. Don't stop to think. Just tell me. I was thinking that if we were living at the caves, we could build a dam around that spring so that everybody could have fresh water and we could get the infirmary off the beach. Good job, Jack. I wasn't thinking about you, hot stuff. I was thinking about advancing our civilization through uh, effective plumbing techniques. Wow. I don't know. I, I've mentioned before how I'm not a huge fan of the Jack character. And uh, this is a good example. I mean, you're there. She's there. You you as Jack are committing to the fact that you're probably, probably not going anywhere anytime soon. And there she is bent over, rear end on display. And what's he thinking about? Dam procedures and how to better collect water resources and uh, you know, it's like uh you know the movie chinatown here we're thinking about water rights and whatnot um good job jack good job um by the way aside from uh a fine moderate but not amazing flashback story i mean it works because it, it gives you character background the reveal that sun does indeed speak english really is a heck of a reveal even when you see it coming or you know even when you know that it is coming because you've seen the episode before it's just this pow right in the gut it's a great uh end of the act you know to head to the commercial break it's it, it it's well done it still has the pizzazz uh all these years later um it, it the episode as a whole i mean it definitely is such a procedural episode um the pieces get moved around and set up for later that's the basic function of this episode. Sure, we get to know Sun Jin. Uh, and, you know, as I said, that's kind of the function of many of these early 
season one episodes. But the stuff on island, it's just setting things up for later, I felt like. We get to, you know, we get to know Sun and Jin more. That's kind of procedure number one that many of these episodes are, are doing. We see Charlie thinking about heroin, upcoming episode. The caves get explored a bit more. Jack goes to the caves. Kate stays, and Jack reminds us that we don't know why Kate is the way she is, which is their way of saying, hint, hint, we're supposed to want to get another flashback episode of her. So, anyhow, um, the episode, as all episodes do, starts to uh, wrap up, but not before Michael gets a, a wonderful monologue. You know, I know you can't understand a word. And normally I'm not the talking out loud type, but since I have a captive audience, I hope for your sake you pay attention. I'm not exactly having the best month of my life. I barely knew my son, and now I gotta be his daddy. And then to top it off, I have a deranged Korean guy trying to kill me, and for what? Look, I get it, hmm? Right? It's the watch. Mine broke. I found this in the wreckage. And I figured, hey, why let a $20,000 watch go to waste? Which is ridiculous, since time doesn't matter on a damn island! Stay away from me. And my kid. You know, it's a tidy bit of work. It really is. It's it, it, it's a nice monologue. It uh, It's kind of suggestive of uh, peacemaking to a certain degree. It's Michael asserting himself even more so as a father. Um, it's also uh, letting Jin off the hook, almost literally. There he is attached to the plane. Um, I know that the, the Wikipedia summary also made reference to how the, uh, the handcuff link stays on Jin's arm. I know it's some... Uh, you know, impressive bit of uh, of uh, uh, costuming that uh, it stays on him for some ridiculously long time. Um, so, I just as you know, a continuity exercise, I suppose. Um, anyhow, uh, moving on the um, the final flashback scene of Sun contemplating leaving and then deciding to stay. It is remarkable for its acting. We really haven't seen Sun do much of anything before this episode besides speak words that we don't understand for everybody out there who doesn't speak Korean. Um, and a little bit of kind of humor stuff. I know there's the bit with uh, Walt a couple of episodes ago where uh, you know she's uh, explaining how to use uh, one of the plants to brush, uh, brush teeth and whatnot. Um, but, I mean, apparently the actress is known as uh, the, the, the Korean Julia Roberts, and her acting is just wonderful in this final flashback scene. Obviously, of course, too, with the, the fantastic Michael Giacchino music, uh, which you can, you can hear right now. Um, but her acting is just so wonderful. It's this kind of extended, slow, emotional breakdown, this decision to stay with the man that she loves, despite the fact that things are so broken and so wrong. When he holds up the flower, there's just this little, uh, you know, and smiles at her. There's just this little hint of, uh, of uh, hope and, and love and purity and all that, all that they used to have together. Uh, it's... it's it's a, it, it, it's a nice end to an episode that isn't, in my view, fantastic. As I said, it's kind of procedural. It gets a number of jobs done. It moves some un-island stuff forward. It introduces us to Sun and Jin a bit more. Um, but 
uh, and obviously plants the, the the massive seed of Adam and Eve. But um, it's it's an it's a nice end. It's a solid end, and it's an end that hints towards their end, at least their end on this world. Uh, drowning together, deciding to remain together because of that love that is there before they're getting on the plane. It's 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 a nice ending. I mean, the episode it's an episode for growth. It's not, in my opinion, a great episode, but uh, certainly a solid, solid ending to the episode. Um, and thus comes the end to this podcast episode. Uh, fun as always to be uh, to be creating it, to be rewatching these episodes, to be uh, uh, listened to by you out there. If you'd like to uh, say hello, give some feedback. A number of ways you could do that. Uh, you can go to twitter.com/lookingbacklost. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, you know, say hello, etc. If you want to send a good old-fashioned email, like it's 2009, uh, you can send an email to lookingbackatlost at gmail.com. And I also would welcome if uh, I'd love to have like a clip segment to this episode, not a cl- uh, like a clip segment from all of you out there who are listening. So if you have an iPhone or an iPod Touch and you'd like to record a message with a voice recorder and email it, you can do that as well. Lookingbackatlost at gmail.com. You can check out the webpage, lookingbackatlost.podbean.com, and you can find uh, this podcast on iTunes and uh, give it a review, give it a star rating, whatever it might be. And um, with that, we'll just quickly look ahead to next week's episode, which will be the Me as a Charlie fan, the first Charlie episode, The Moth, his first flashback episode, a a very, very good episode, and one where the... uh, the, the flashback and the uh, on-island story really come together nicely. Uh, so with that, as I've said, it's a pleasure as always. Thank you for listening. See you next week for The Moth. Take care. Bye-bye. You checking me out? Yeah, so then what were you thinking? Right now. Well, I sure as hell wasn't thinking that. Don't stop to think. Just tell me. I was thinking that if we were living at the caves, we could build a dam around that spring.